I'm going to continue today our topic of the Haggadah of Pesach. Today's topic is the commandment to remember the Exodus, whether it's a once a year commandment, what we call Sipur Yitzat Mitzrayim with the Seder, or is, it, or is it a daily commandment, which we fulfill every day when we say Kriyat Shema, to remember the Exodus. In Hebrew, there's a commandment of Sipur, the story once a year, Schira, remembering every day. And today we want to discuss the connection between them. Is it one mitzvah all year long, or is it two separate mitzvah? To explain what we're going to do today, I want to bring an analogy from a secular holiday, which is rather popular globally, called Mother's Day. I'm sure you've all heard of Mother's Day, but there's a big argument whether or not it's proper to celebrate Mother's Day. Mother's Day is usually, in most countries, the second Sunday in May. But there's some people, I call them wise men or hachamim, who claim that there's something bad about celebrating Mother's Day because every day is Mother's Day. I call that shitat chachamim. Then there are the, um, I guess, the greeting card holiday, um, companies like Hallmark, who very much hold that we have to celebrate Mother's Day. It's a big business for them. And therefore, there's an argument, should we or should we not celebrate Mother's Day? Those who hold every day is Mother's Day think it's a bad idea. Those who hold, who think it's very important to dedicate one day a year to their mothers, obviously hold, we should celebrate the holiday. What do we do? We really hold both. Me um, the main law really is every day is Mother's Day, but to make sure that every day is Mother's Day, everyone celebrates Mother's Day. I want to use that analogy to explain what happens at the Seder. What I want to show you in the share today and how we discuss this in Magid is that every day, the mitzvah every day that we say Kriyat Shema, when we remember the Exodus, is going to be the most important commandment because that's going to affect our day-to-day life. And once a year, we're going to recharge our batteries and make that memory meaningful. So I'm going to share my screen with you now, and we're going to look in the Haggadah how we talk about this. One last analogy I want to use when it comes to memory is from our cell phones, which receive a little bit uh, too much use nowadays. On your cell phone, there's two types of memories. There's your memory of the um, processor, and there's the memory, the storage memory of the phone. So there's storage memory, which I call like nostalgic memory, where you can store your pictures and videos and shiurim, but that is not running all the time. Yeah, you have to recall. There's your processor memory that's running all the time, and that affects how you behave. What I want to show you today is in Judaism, the memory of the Exodus is processor memory. It's in your mind all the time, and it's not something I just recall once a year. It's running 24-7, and that memory is going to shape our day-to-day behavior. So let's begin with a section of Magid. Soon we're going to see where in Magid it is. I'm sure you remember it. For some reason, in the middle, towards, actually towards the beginning of Magid, we quote the following story. Omar Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Elizabeth Benazari is having a conversation with his fellow rabbis, and he's telling them, I'm heading 70. And I never understood why is it do we have to mention the Exodus even at night? It could be these acting, it could be these asking a technical question. Why is it the day enough? How come we need to mention in the night as well? Or it could be talking about the word yom, yom tzedcha, how come if the day says day, how come we have to speak about it at night? Or it could be he's asking a more basic question. What is this obsession with mentioning the Exodus every day and every night? Why is it so central to being Jewish? I want to go in that direction based on the answer he brings. Achidar Sabenzama, 
Then he explains it as Rebbe. Ben Zoma told him, he quotes a Pasik, Shinemar, Lamantis Kord Yom Tzetcha Meretz Mitzrayim Ko Yimei Chayacha. Yimei Chayacha Yamim, Ko Yimei Chayacha Lelot. I'll translate. In order that you remember the day you left Egypt, every day of your life, Ben Zoma puts an accent on the word kol. I could just say Yimei Chayacha. How come it says Ko Yimei Chayacha? If it only said Yimei Chayacha, I would think the days would be enough. Ko Yimei Chayacha would include even the nights. There's something important when we read Magid. In fact, this word right here, Shinemar, is going to be the word we find more than any other word in Magid. In the Daragara, if I ask what word is written more than any, more than the word Mitzrayim, more than the idea of freedom, the word Shinemar, we quote often over and over again. And what usually happens, we see the word Shinemar and we turn our brains off, we stop thinking. What Agata wants you to do is look up that Pasuk, where it's coming from, and then help you understand what the deeper message is. So let's take a look where that Pasuk is coming from. In fact, we saw it yesterday when we talked about Lechem Oni. So in Sefer Dvarim, in chapter 16, when it talks about the holidays, we're told, Make sure to pay attention to the month of the spring and celebrate Passover, bring the Korban Pesach. And we, the ideal place to bring the Korban Pesach once we settle down, will be Bamakom of Har Hashem. That was our topic yesterday. Is it better to celebrate Passover at home or in Yerushalayim in the Beit HaMikdash? Then we're told not to have chametz and eat matzah for seven days to remember how we left Egypt. And then it says the most important line, and that's what we discussed in Magid. And that's what Ben Zoma was explaining to Rabbi Leza Ben Azariah. What is the reason why we celebrate once a year? Why do we, why do we go crazy? Get rid of all of our chametz and eat only matzah for a whole year and bring Korban Pesach. The goal of the yearly celebration is What Sefer Dvarim is telling us, the goal of the yearly celebration is in order to remember the day you left Egypt every day of your life. That's not a technical explanation being nights and days. It's a much more general explanation of what's the purpose of the yearly celebration. Because this section, this law, is in Sefer Tvarim, I want to share with you other sources in Sefer Tvarim that are going to prove this point. But before we go there, I want to show you where we talk about this in our Seder. Yesterday, we talked about the Halach Ma'anya. Uh, maybe in a later show, we'll talk about the Manishtana, where we get the children involved. But our answer to our children asking the Manishtana, how come this night is special? What's special about tonight? We give the classic answer of Avadim Hayinu. We tell our children, we were once slaves. God took us out of Egypt with this great outstretched hand. And if God didn't take us out, we'd still be slaves. That's a very good answer for young children. But as soon as we answer the young children, we change our focus on not only children, but also adults. The first reason is a very basic idea of gratitude. This is the, mem- this is the anniversary of our freedom from Egypt. And had God not taken us out of Egypt, we wouldn't be around. Therefore, we're obligated to tell the story out of gratitude. But then we change the topic. Not only are children obligated, even know-it-alls, even adults, even rabbis, even people who are wise, and even elders. And even if we know the entire Torah, God is telling us that this is not an obligation to teach a story to people who don't know it. Even people who know the story, have to spend as much time possible discussing the story. This is something everyone has to sort of recharge the memories with 
even wise men. To prove this point, instead of bringing a pasuk, instead of bringing a verse from the Bible to prove this obligation, Tagada brings a story, the famous story of the five rabbis in Bnei Brak, five rabbis including Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah. He's the one we quoted before. And with Rabbi Kiv and Rabbi Tarifon, they were gathering in Bnei Brak, and they were talking about Yitzhak Mitzrayim the entire night until the students came and told them it's time for Kriyat Shema. And we'll see later on, it's not by chance we bring up the topic of Kriyat Shema because it's specifically in our daily Kriyat Shema, in the morning and the evening that we mentioned the Exodus, our daily obligation to mention the Exodus, we do together when we say the Kriyat Shema. If we have time, we'll return to that topic at the end of this year. Because we brought a proof to the fact that even adults and even know-it-alls, even rabbis have to dedicate that evening to telling the story. For some reason, we quote one of those conversations. Now we can't quote every single conversation they had that evening. We'd be up, Magid would be way too long. But for some reason, we're quoting one of their conversations. In other words, we mention our obligation, even though adults have to tell the story, even elders, even rabbis, we prove it from a story of what happened in Bnei Brak, And then we share one of those conversations among those rabbis. And Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azariah told his friends he was sharing an idea with them. It was his turn to give the Dvar Torah. And he said, there's a, something I didn't understand my whole life until my Rebbe, until Ben Zola explained it to me. And he quotes this passage from Sefer Dvarim. What I want to suggest is quoting specifically this conversation because we're about to tell the story and we're about to fulfill our once a year obligation, our yearly obligation to tell the story. Before I tell the story, I need to remind, we have to remind ourselves that the purpose of the yearly story is in order to make sure I fulfill exactly what Sefer Dvarim is talking about. It's not just a technical thing. I have to mention it at night, but the memory of the Exodus shapes our behavior every day and every night. And now we're going to prove this from Sefer Dvarim. This was chapter 16. I'm going to bring several examples from Sefer Dvarim. Afterwards, we're bringing examples from other places in Chumash. How Chumash uses the memory of the Exodus, not just talking about it in gratitude, thanking God that he took you out of Egypt, but something that's going to shape our day-to-day behavior. We'll bring the first example from chapter 24 in Sefer Tzvarim. It says, Don't do injustice when you judge a stranger or an orphan. And don't take advantage of a widow when you lend her, let's say, give her a loan. Don't take as a collateral something she needs to wear. That was always be kind to less fortunate people. Followed by, the second line, is not a second commandment. It's not that we have two commandments here, not to do injustice to a stranger, an orphan, or a widow. And a second commandment, remember that you were a slave in Egypt. It's one commandment. Being kind and sensitive to the need of the less fortunate is a main commandment. As a motivator to remember to keep that commandment, Sefer Dvarim tells you, or Moshe is telling the people when he teaches the laws in Sefer Dvarim, you of all people, remember, you were once a slave, you were mistreated, don't you dare do that to other people. And exactly that's why God took you out of Egypt. That's why God redeemed you from there. And then he continues, that's in the marketplace. Uh, when you're in your field gathering your produce, should you be harvesting your grain in your field? And should you forget some grain? in your field, don't go back and pick it up. Instead, leave it over 
leave it over for those less fortunate, for the stranger, again, the orphan and widow. There's a whole Megillah about it called Megillah Ruth. That's what Boaz is doing in his field. That's why Ruth is collecting. She's the Ger. Um, and she's also collecting for the Amana, for Naomi. And if you do that with your field, that God will bless you in everything that you do. And the same thing applies not only to grain, when you're collecting your olives, or when you're collecting your grapes from your field. Don't take every single little grape and don't take every single olive. Leave some over for the poor people. Why? Make sure, leave them, again, for the Geri Yatomana Mana, followed by the motivator, Remember, you were slave in Egypt. That's why I'm commanding you. I took you out of Egypt for a purpose. I took you out of Egypt to become my nation that's going to sanctify God in their day-to-day behavior. Therefore, I'm commanding you that memory of the Exodus is not a once-a-year memory. It's a daily memory that shapes how we behave. Just another example from Sefer Devarim. We could bring many more. There's a law earlier in chapter 15. We were reading from chapter 16. Right before chapter 16, there's laws about a person who might become impoverished, impoverished, I'm sorry, and has to sell himself into slavery. Should someone need to sell himself into slavery? He works for six years, and then after six years, it's time to send him free. Then the Chumash tells us, When you send your slave free or your servant free, don't send him empty-handed. Instead, what are we commanded to do? In verse 14 in Pasuk Yedalet, Give him a bonus from either from your cattle or from your granaries or from your grapes. Anything that God had blessed you with in your field, in your business, in your prosperity, make sure to give him a bonus as much as you see fit. Followed by, again, the motivator. Remember, you were slave in Egypt. We see over and over again Sefer Dvarim is taking the memory of the Exodus and not making it simply once a year gratitude to remember God did you a favor thousands of years ago, but rather it's a memory that shapes your day-to-day behavior. It's running all the time in the back of your mind. And then we're told again, God took you out of Egypt. For what reason? To become that nation that's sensitive to the needs of the less fortunate. And that's why God's commanding you this law. Now, let's bring another example. Even from the Debrot. Sometimes we're misled by what we say in Kiddush. When we remember Shabbat, remember there's two reasons for Shabbat. There's Shabbat, the Ten Commandments in Sefer Shemot, where the reason for Shabbat is to remember that God created the heavens and earth in seven days. And then we have the reason for Shabbat in Shemot, in Sefer Devarim, chapter 5 in Sefer Devarim, which begins with Shamor instead of Zohar. And there the reason is to remember the Exodus. If you read the Ten Commandments in Devarim carefully, you find something a little bit different. We have Shemor Yom HaShabbat Kacho, just like in Sefer Shemot, but now Shemor instead of Zachor. It's the same basic concept. And then the same law to work for six days a week and rest on the seventh day. And everyone has to rest, not only you, but you and your children and your servants and maidservants and even your animals. In other words, you can't run your factories or businesses on Shabbat and even the stranger. Everyone deserves the day of rest. And then after the commandment of Shabbat, we have a very different reason. We saw the same reason actually in Parshat Mishpatim and Sefer Shemot. But different than the commandments in Parshat Yitro, it's not to remember that God created in seven days, but rather the reason for Shabbat and Sefer Devarim is in order that your workers have a day of rest. 
so that your servant and maid servant can have a day of rest just like you. The reason that Sefer Devarim is commanding Shabbat is not only to remember that God created, it's also why he chose you. He chose you to be a nation that's considerate of the needs of others. There's also a Ben Adam Lechavero element of Shabbat that everyone needs a day, deserves a day of rest. Uh, they used to call these, I think, blue laws. There used to be laws even in America where stores had to be closed on Sunday because everyone needed a day off. And if you open up shopping malls, people would have to go to work. But we have those simple laws in Israel on Shabbat. Even for secular people, it's a big argument. Which rights are more important? Chumash is saying every worker deserves a day off. And therefore, all businesses are closed on Shabbat. Now, again, the reason in Sefer Tvarim for Shabbat is Lemanya Noach Abdechaba Matcha Everyone needs a day of rest, followed by the motivator of Sefer Tvarim. And therefore, remember that you were slave in Egypt. Now, if I didn't have all the other examples in Sefer Tvarim, I could say maybe it's two different reasons. And I could say that Shabbat in Tvarim is to remember the Exodus. But if you follow the rest of Sefer Tvarim, where we use that same phrase as a motivator over and over again for many other mitzvot, this is almost an introduction to the laws in Sefer Tvarim which begin with the Ten Commandments in chapter 5 in Sefer Tvarim. And here we're told we're going to redeem our history. We're going to take our collective suffering, our memory of how we were mistreated in Egypt. We're going to redeem our history, and we're going to use that to shape our behavior. And then we're told, remember, you were slave in Egypt, and God took you out of Egypt. God took us out of Egypt with his great miracles, with his outstretched hand. And therefore, God's commanding you to keep the day of Shabbat not just to remember that God created, but to remember why he took you out of Egypt. And we'll see later on why he put you into Egypt to take you out of Egypt, make you his nation. Now, that theme is not only a theme in Sefer Devarim. There are three key sections in Chumash that discuss our day-to-day -day behavior. If you look at Chumash, all five books, if I'm looking for a, a guide or a section in Chumash that describes day-to-day -day behavior of the average day of a Jewish person, I find three key sources. The first source is going to be Parshat Mishpatim, following the Ten Commandments in Sefer Shemot and Parshat Yitro. We have three chapters in Parshat Mishpatim, chapters 20 through 23, that discuss numerous laws of day-to-day -day behavior. In the first section, primarily laws about the marketplace, about what's called the Sikin, damages, and about Shomrim, and about responsibility. And then we move in chapter 22 to a set of laws about ethical behavior, and the grand finale of those laws in chapter 23, we're told as follows, the Ger Lo this is chapter 23, verse 9, Perach Havgim Lo don't oppress or take advantage of a stranger. And then we're told, Batem Yedatem Nefesh These are the concluding lines of a set of laws that lead right into the Shalosh Regalim in, in Parshat Mishpatim, in Sefer Shemot. We're told, and you of all people know what it feels like to be a stranger. You were strangers in someone else's land. They mistreated you. They took advantage of that and they enslaved you. When you become a nation, don't you dare do that to others. Again, we're redeeming our history. We're taking our experience and redeeming it, remembering that experience. And that's going to shape how we behave day to day. Again, Parsha Mishpatim is an entire set of laws that discusses our day to day behavior. And this is one of the grand finales in that section. And we have the same thing in Kedoshim to you. The other section of Chumash after Parshat Mishpatim, where we have day-to-day -day laws about the day-to-day -day -day life, is in Kedoshim to you in chapter 19 in Sefer Vayikra. It's very famous. We're all familiar with it. And then again, the laws in Sefer Tvarim will be the longest or the largest group of laws 
to discuss our day-to-day -day behavior. Parshat Kedoshim Kiyun Vayikra is primarily day-to-day -day behavior of the individual, where the laws in Sefer Devarim are primarily day-to-day -day behavior of the nation and our society. So now we're told <coughs> at the end of Parak Yotet, at the end of chapter 19 in Vayikra, remember the famous time we had earlier about Vahavta Lerecha Kamocha, which Rabbi Kiva said was a Kal Gadol Torah, you have to love your neighbor like yourself. That passage could actually be a setup, setting the stage for the grand finale. The last three, four lines of Toshim Tiyu, the end of chapter 19, reads as follows. Let me make this a little bit bigger. Should there be a stranger living in your land? Okay. Not to again, don't cheat him, don't take advantage of him. Instead, what are we told? Treat the stranger as though he, he is a citizen. The commandment here, we don't only have to love our neighbor, not only your friend, not just your friend, your neighbor, or someone in your society, love him like yourself. Even the stranger, you have to love like yourself. It could be that the original Pasuk, earlier in the Parsha, where it says, might be a buildup, that's the simple law. This is a much more difficult one. Even the stranger, like love like yourself. Why Because you were strangers in Egypt. That phrase again that we've seen so many times. We were once strangers. We were once slaves in another country. Remember that experience. And that's going to shape again your day-to-day -day behavior. Followed by Ani Hashem Elokechem, the refrain of Parshat Toshim Tiyu, which is repeated over and over again every two or three lines. I'm Hashem, your God. I'm the God who took you out of Egypt. I'm Hashem, your boss. Therefore, make sure to take your experience as a nation, learn from it and grow from it, and that's going to make you my people. Then we're told, when you do when you in judgment, make sure not to do iniquity. Also, in measures, and any measure in your marketplace, make sure that your measurements are correct and your weights are just. When you have your weights in the marketplace, dry weights or um, volume weights, whatever they might be, make sure they're just, followed by which just so happens to be the first line of the Ten Commandments. I'm Hashem, your God, or I'm Hashem, your boss. I chose you to be my nation, and that's why I took you out of Egypt. And that's going to be the grand finale of Kedoshim to you. Now, that same idea we find earlier in Sef, I mean, later in Sefer Tzvarim, but earlier to the Psukhan I quoted in Sefer Tzvarim, the very same idea of this idea of, emu of emulating God. In Sefer Tzvarim, in Perik Yudzayin, we're told as follows, Ki Hashem alokechem hu adonim. Hashem your God, He's Hashem, He's the God of all gods, and the master of all masters. Then, like we quote in Shemun Esrei, He's El HaGadol HaGibor Banora, Asur lo yishapanim, Asur lo yishapanim, Velo yikach shochad. He's a God who is great, who doesn't take, um, doesn't play favorites, doesn't take bribes. Let me share a different screen real fast. We got lost this from this page. Um, go. In Sefer Devarim. This one. Um, Derek. Here we go. Um, we're good. We're in Devarim Perik Yud. It started in Pasuk Yedbet, Bata Yisrael, what does God, now Israel, what does God want from you? To love God and to fear God. And then we'll read again what we read before. Hashem, your God, 
Does this share the screen properly? Start the share again. Hashem, your God, He's the God again of all gods and master of all masters. Doesn't take uh, bribes. Then we're told, in verse 18 in chapter 10, we're told that God does justice for the, again, for the orphan and the widow. And God loves the stranger. He loves the stranger giving the stranger clothing and food. The next line is interesting. Then we're told, you must love the stranger. You were once strangers in Egypt. If you were strangers in Egypt, therefore, you have to take care of the stranger. But then we seem to have a contradiction between verse 18 and 19. In verse 18, in Pasuk Yitchet, Chumash tells us that God takes care of the stranger. He loves the stranger. And then we're told in Pasuk Yitchet that it's your job to take care of the stranger. How are we going to reconsider those two ideas? If God takes care, then why am I getting involved? The way it's usually understood, this, this is the concept of imitato deo or valachta bedrachav to emulate God. How do we emulate God? The way that God takes care of the stranger is by giving others the ability and the prosperity to be able to take care of a stranger. When we praise God and say he takes care of the stranger, the way that God takes care of that is by giving us the ability to take care of the stranger. So if God blesses some of us with prosperity and wealth, the way we thank God is not by saying thank you for that prosperity, it's by acting thank you. And therefore, when you take care of the stranger, that's how God takes care of the stranger. When someone lives that way of life, he becomes in a partnership with God. That's just a relationship with God, but more like a partnership with God. So what I try to show you is that throughout Chumash, almost every single time that we find a section that talks about sensitivity to less fortunate people in our society, Chumash is constantly using the memory of our slavery in Egypt. And in fact, we were strangers in Egypt and we were mistreated. We were mistreated by a tyrant government, by Pharaoh and his people. We suffered. We're going to redeem that suffering. Instead of Passover being the history of our redemption, it becomes the redemption of our history. And that memory is going to shape our day-to-day behavior. Therefore, something 24-7 and when do we mention that every day? Our daily mention is when we say Kriyat Shema. Everyone knows we say Kriyat Shema twice a day, in the morning and the evening. The rabbis call Kriyat Shema. They call it Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim, accepting the yoke of heaven, which is not simply a statement of faith. When we say Kriyat Shema, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem who is our boss, who took us out of Egypt, the first line of the Ten Commandments, He's the one and only God. But the concept we're saying is not our belief that he exists, but much more than that. It's our understanding he chose us to serve him. That's why it's special for the Jewish people. There's a universal thing of monotheism that we want everyone to recognize that there's one God and God wants us to behave properly. But we have to remember that from among the nations, God chose us to serve him. He entered a covenant with us. That's the biggest topic when he picks Abraham Avinu, Sefer Breshit, as we'll see, which we'll return to in our Haggadah. And every day we have to remember what we like to call a pledge of allegiance. We have to remember that God chose us for a reason to serve him. Then we read the first part of Kriyat Shema and the second from Sefer Devarim, which talks about serving God out of love, which is the ideal way to do it. Also, with help of reward and punishment in the second part of Kriyat Shema. And then in the third part of Kriyat Shema, which is called Parshat Tzitzit, again, we talk about the Exodus. And that's how we fulfill the daily commandment. 
But we remember the Exodus when I pledge allegiance. When I pledge allegiance, I'm remembering not only that God exists, I'm remembering that God chose me to serve him. And the way I serve God is in my day-to-day life is how I behave. And my behavior, when I study Chumash and its laws, is based on my memory. If I redeem my memory, and I use that memory to shape my day-to-day behavior to become sensitive, therefore, the third parasha of Kriyachma, we mention the Exodus. That's how we fulfill the commandment of Schira, when we say, I'm the God took you out of Egypt in order to be your God, in order to be your boss. And that's going to remind us of how we have to behave. Therefore, it's very fitting that we mention it together when we pledge allegiance to God every day. What did we say right beforehand? We look at the tzitzit, and we're supposed to remember all the mitzvot. Then it says, By remembering the mitzvot, that will make us kadosh, that will make us holy or separated in the service of God. Being Jewish, if we read Parshat Doshim, again, like we mentioned before, Doshim too, Kedushah is not what you are, it's what you need to be. God told us at Har Sinai, when he gave us this proposal to become his people, if you accept my covenant, we talked about that in chapter 19 in Sefer Shemot, right before we received the Ten Commandments. God gives us a proposal, do you want to obey me? Will you keep my covenant? And then you'll be my treasure nation. Then you'll be a nation separated in the service of God. And we're going to serve God not only as individuals, but also as a nation, as a people. Therefore, when we say Shema every day, we mention those psukim, and we remind ourselves not only that God chose us, and that we have to keep the mitzvot, but those mitzvot are going to shape our day-to-day life. And so many mitzvot in Chumash talk about sensitivity and caring for others. Therefore, the memory of the Exodus is going to be one of the most important memories that are running all the time in our in our minds, which, I'll sh- which hopefully will shape our day our day-to-day behavior. In light of that, we go back to Tagada, and that explains why Sefer Torah tells us when once a year I keep in the month of the spring, Shemar Chodesh Aviv, and make Passover to God, then what do we do? We go crazy once a year again, getting rid of our chametz and eating only matzah. And Chomesh tells us, We're doing this to remember the Exodus every day of your life. Therefore, the most important mitzvah is a daily memory. To make sure that daily memory is meaningful, what do we need to do? We need to, once a year, we're going to recharge that memory and then apply it every day. That's why the Haggadah goes out of its way to bring the story of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah talking to his friends and asking that question. He's sharing that story because he wants to emphasize the daily memory, every day and every night, is key to being Jewish. Now, if I take that idea, and we'll return now to our source sheet, if we take that theme that we talked about, and ask ourselves, what's going to happen next in Magid? The next topic in Magid is going to be telling the story. So if you look at your Haggadah, what do we find? We're going to find that first, we get the children involved. We get their intention. Ask, they ask the question. We give them a simple answer. Then we get the adults involved in the story of the five rabbis. And we mention this idea of once a year, but every day. Then we're going to talk about the four sons, where the topic there is going to be not only 
when we tell the story to our children and we answer the questions, we don't we don't answer the question, we answer the child. That will be the topic of the course sentence. Then we're going to talk about when we tell the story. That will be our topic on Thursday, about what's special about Rosh Chodesh Nisan, what time of year is best to tell the story. And then we actually begin the story afterwards with Brit Ben Abtarim. If coming out of Egypt is going to be so central to our day-to-day -day behavior, if so many laws in Chumash in every key law section concludes with this concept, remember you were slave in Egypt, and that's going to shape your behavior, then it seems like it was God's original plan that in order to become that nation, there was a need to go through some type of suffering in someone else's land. And that's exactly going to be the next key section in Magid, where we begin the story with God's promise to Avram Avinu, of what's called Brit Ben of Tarim. In a later shir, we'll talk about the details of Brit Ben of Tarim, called the Covenant of the Parts. But in a nutshell, when Avram was chosen in Parshat Lechacha, God told Avram Avinu to make Aliyah from Orkazdim to the land of Israel. He arrives in Israel, he builds an altar, he thanks God, he calls out in God's name. And Avram is very obedient in everything that God tells him he does. But if you follow Sefer Brashit from chapter 12 up until chapter 15, God speaks to Avram Avinu many times, but Avram Avinu never says anything back to God. The very first conversation between God and Avram Avinu takes place in chapter 15 after the war of the four kings and five kings. And there God begins a conversation by telling Avram, don't worry, I'm going to protect you. I'll be fine. Avram asks the famous question, how can I not worry? I don't have any children. God says, don't worry. You have plenty of children. You'll be blessed. And then he tells him, count the stars. That's how many, that's how numerous your children will be. Then God tells him again, I'm the God who took you out of Orkazdim to give you this land, the land of Israel to inherit. Avram asked the famous question, how do I know or when and how is this going to happen? And then God answers that question after making a little covenantal ceremony as follows. God tells Avram Avinu, before he has any children, what does he tell him? Bayumar Avraham, Bayumar Avraham. Avram, you must know. The children I just promised you that will be like the stars of the sky, they'll be so numerous and they're going to become a great nation. Before they become that nation, they need to go through a process which we compare to basic training in the army. To become that nation, your children must be strangers in someone else's land. We don't begin with the land of Israel. We become a nation outside the land of Israel. God gives us the land of Israel in order to become his nation. And what's going to happen in that other land? They'll be enslaved in that land. And they'll be oppressed. They'll be afflicted. And that'll be a process of some 400 years. And then God says, That nation that's going to oppress them, I'm going to judge. Then they'll go with great wealth. I'll redeem them. Later, they'll receive the Torah. And only afterwards, to be able to conquer and establish a nation in the land of Israel. So you can ask a very good question. Why are we thanking God for taking us out of Egypt? We're going to quote this in our Seder. In the next section, we're going to thank God for keeping his promise of Brit Ben of Tari. But you can ask a very good question. Why am I thanking God for taking me out of Egypt? God promised to put us into Egypt. So if it was our fault we were in Egypt, if we were to blame and we put ourselves in this mess and God took us out, I could say, gratitude, we must thank God for saving us. But we see from Sefer Breshit, this was God's original plan. Again, the commentators talk about 
how difficult the oppression had to be. We were also partially to blame. We sold our brother. It could be that our slavery in Egypt didn't have to be so harsh, but there was a necessity for some type of suffering and affliction to take place in the formative stages of our nation. So the God could tell us at Harsinai, remember your slave in Egypt. Remember how to treat your servants. Remember how to treat others. Remember how to be kind. And that's going to be a lesson for life, how to take negative experiences instead of having them bring you down, how to redeem those experiences and make you a better person. Therefore, it seems for Beit Ben-Abtarim that it's important to understand that God put us into Egypt to take us out and we're thanking God for choosing us as a nation. We're thanking God for putting us through this training experience. We're thanking God for remembering why we're chosen and we can redeem our suffering by remembering the process we went through and remembering not only what happened, but why it happened. In that sense, the yearly memory of the Exodus is not remembering what happened, but why it happened. And that's why, to be true to the story, when I tell the story, if I would begin the story simply with Avadim Ma'inu, we were slaves to Pharaoh, or I'd begin the story with the birth of Moses, or the, begin the story of the brothers telling Yosef, it would not be a full story because it would look like we were stuck, we had a problem, and God came and saved us, and we have to say thank you. When I begin the story with Avram Avinu and this covenant where God forecasts the need to go through some type of suffering in order to become a nation. And later in Chumash, we're going to take that memory and use it to guide our behavior. Then to make that story meaningful, I have to begin with Avram Avinu. In our next couple of shiurim on Magid, we're going to see how that theme develops in Magid itself. But I want to conclude with today is I want to tie what we talked about today, what we talked about in our first share yesterday. In our share yesterday, we talked about the idea of the Jewish home and everything begins in the Jewish home. And then we talked about also the need for the Jewish community or the, the synagogue or hopefully the Beit HaMikdash and our national community. We are building the home again and then building our communities. I'll be a little old fashioned, but I want to talk about those two centers, the Jewish home and also the Jewish community or the shul. And we'll go back to, it might not be so politically correct today, to talk about the job of the mother and the family and the job of the father. In a nutshell, the home, the mother is the queen. In the shul, the community, it's going to be usually the father. Or if I go, the idea that, or the responsibility of the Jewish home is usually the mother taking care of the children. The responsibility of the community, the more official things, be more, it doesn't mean that men can't help at home. It doesn't mean that women can't help in the community. But historically, that's been the division of power. Nowadays, everyone is at home. And we talked about in the beginning of our show about Mother's Day, about the need to appreciate our mothers. Now, especially in times like this, when everyone is at home, it's a great responsibility on motherhood now, nowadays, especially when everyone's at home. Now we did have to take care of the children who aren't in school. Sometimes even the husbands are home, which makes it even more difficult to take care of everyone all day long. So I think this is also a time when we were going to appreciate our connection to God and how he took care of us and how he redeemed us and what we learned from there. It's also a time of the year, especially our situation we're in today, especially every year on Passover when the mothers have to clean up the house and prepare for Passover. It's a time to take the theme, the global theme of appreciation of our mothers and people who take care of us and also give a little extra thought, an extra, extra appreciation for everyone who takes care of us especially the mothers of our families who are having a very difficult time. Everyone's having a difficult time. 
especially then. And then finally, as far as memory goes, we're using again our phones a lot. I'll go back to our original analogy. I can look again the story of the Exodus once a year as nostalgic. Oh, we were once a nation, like in almost every society has their Thanksgiving or their Memorial Days and remembering how their history began. I can look at an event of the past and remember the Exodus once a year as a national event, but it's enough to remember once a year and that's fine. Or if we talk about process of memory, something that's running in our minds all the time, that's exactly the memory of the Exodus in Jewish day-to-day -day life. Therefore, when we say Shema and pledge allegiance every day in our davening, we need to remember that idea of not only that why took us out of Egypt, and that memory is going to guide us in our day-to-day -day behavior in everything we do. Thank you very much. In our next year, we're going to talk about uh, the next section of Magid, which is not only the four sons, but also it's called Yechom Rosh Chodesh. I might think that the obligation to tell the story begins in the first month, in the month of the spring, on Rosh Chodesh itself. This Thursday will be Rosh Chodesh Nisan. There's going to be um, probably a fast day. Tomorrow's Yom, er, tomorrow Wednesday is Erev Rosh Chodesh, called Yom Kippur Katan. Most rabbis have decided it's a good time to fast. People are able to and healthy enough, and it won't endanger the health. We can accept that fast day. We can pray together for survive this epidemic we're going through, and hopefully God, God will guide us in a proper way, and it'll help us and help heal us. But on Rosh Chodesh Nisan itself is going to be a very important day in Jewish history. And what happened on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, not only in the first year, when we got the first commandment to take the Korban Pesach, but also in the second year, when we dedicate the Mishkan, Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be a very central day. We're going to talk about those events, and we're going to move from the Jewish home again to the Beit HaMikdash or to the Mishkan and to the Jewish community. And what's the idea of dedicating a Mishkan? It'll help us explain also the beginning of Sefer Vayikra and what we read about in Sefer Shemot. And we'll talk about the centrality of a nation, not only, the, again, the home, but the Mikdash, Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, and later, after the Mikdash is destroyed, the Mikdash Ma'at, the synagogue, the shul, and we'll see the connection between Rosh Chodesh Nisan and the idea of the dedication of the Mishkan. Everyone should have a wonderful day, and we continue to pray for Hashem Yeshua.